Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. Good evening, John Singleton. Hello, how are you? I'm, I'm very well, thank you. In, uh, in some... Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, yeah, yeah. I should go home quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Have you forgotten it? No, I, uh, we're having a takeout sushi tonight. So, you know, it couldn't be more romantic than that. Mm, nothing says I love you like raw fish. <laughs> yeah. How is the camp? How is everybody getting on at the moment? It's uh, revving up for the 2022 season. Yeah. And I imagine it's everyone's working pretty hard. Yeah, working hard. You know, we've been in the groove. Um, so we, we decided to have our last major competition in Dubai, which is now I don't know, two two months ago. So we've kind of been in a, in a bit of training groove uh, since since everyone got back in January. We are um, kind of excited to get the the season going. You know, the Open does mark the start of twenty twenty two season. And, and and for some athletes, you know, we kind of enter into this phase where there's the athletes looking to get to quarterfinals, athletes looking to get to semifinals, and athletes looking to to move on to the games, athletes looking to do well at the games. So we enter into that like um, kind of different focuses as we as we go around. So it's the time when everyone's working on the weaknesses and building up their numbers. Yes, exactly. So we've probably come out a little bit of that phase now for certain athletes. So especially the athletes who are looking to qualify for semifinals, you know, they need to peak and perform at the quarters. And so really that kind of weakness work should be, you know, should have been done, should be ready to go because during the Open, it, it can't, you know, even people say, I'm not going to worry about the Open. It's very hard not for it to have any effect. Um, so for, for athletes looking to get into the semi-final stage and kind of peak at quarters, then they're really getting into that last training phase now before the, the real competition. How long would a training phase typically take? How long would you, how many weeks is it? Um, so it depends a little on, on what the idea is. You know, for the athletes who are looking to do well at uh, semi-finals, you know, like three, four months um, of preparation might go go into that competition with the stages along the way. Um, and then the semifinals to games is kind of dictated by the, the length in time between those two. So, you know, some athletes may just take a complete off season and go all the way through thinking to go, like kind of peak at semis to get to games. There's very few athletes who aren't nervous about semis you know it you know semis is tough um you don't know the workouts you don't know how things are going to be so you know you, you do need to arrive semis in shape um before you can start thinking about the games um you were saying as well that people are constantly saying these days oh well i don't i'm not bothered about winning the open or getting a not it doesn't matter to me if, as long as i get through but there's still that element of am i good enough isn't there 100% you know like it it takes a very confident athlete to not see you know 
say say you're top. I don't know. Say you made it to the games last year. So you're one of the best forty in the world, and you look at the open leaderboard and you place two hundredth on a workout. You know, it, it it does have that little effect for for the majority of athletes. So, you know, for a lot, you know, I think for the more experienced athletes, they don't they don't care as much. They're quite happy to take that hit and not worry about it, and um, that kind mm. of shows the. The experience. I think now that the open plays less significance in the fact of, you know, it has qualified you for the games previously. So so then it was a huge, you know, you had to perform well in the open because you could get earn a spot to the games, and that was pretty huge. Mm. Whereas now it gets you to the quarterfinals. So it's only you need to be in top 10%, which you know, easy is easy is the wrong word, but for for a competitive level athlete, they they should be comfortable about getting into quarters. Well, it all starts on the 24th of February. I'm going to miss terribly the uh, Dave Castro long pauses before the workouts, but we could have a go ourselves at um, having a guess at what we're going to be asked to do. We're definitely not rowing. Yeah, I think the, the no the big factor actually having no machines in the open um you know it, it, it takes away a lot of it's kind of easier to program around the machines because it's very easy to get the, the stimulus from that so you know that's a that's a huge change i think not having a, a machine hmm. we've got dumbbells a barbell plates a box a pull-up bar a jump rope and very sadly, wall space. <laughs> we want to know what's going to happen with the wall space, I guess, unless you can come up with another thing. Is that not going to be handstand walks again? Or handstand push-ups. You know, you've got to think it's going to be something inverted. Uh, so, you know, handstand push-ups, wall walks would be a, kind of a sensible guess for that. You can. There's so many different ways you could you could come up with so many mean workouts with that list of equipment. Uh, you know, it, and and this this open it's three weeks long, and and so you know there's so many combinations you could do. You keep everything light and aerobic. You could actually just have everything heavy. You know, e- even you know it's um, a more limited set of equipment, but even still the possibilities are. Uh, you know, huge. I mean, there's so much you can do in so many different time domains with all of that. What would you like to see? Um, honestly, I over the years, and you know, this will be my like, this will be my twelfth open, and um, and you know, I I kind of gave up like trying to form the algorithm of what may come up or do this. Do, you know, it's just like. We really try to approach it as open, uh, openly as possible and use it as a bit of a, you know, you want to be ready at that stage of competition if that's where you want to, to go through and get through. You know, me personally, they can avoid any form of squatting. <laughs> you know, that's always the dream. <laughs> so, uh, but, um, you know, the, the athletes that we're working with, they, they should be fairly comfortable with, with everything that, um, that comes up at that stage. You're not a squatter. I've never been a squatting fan, you know. I can I'll pull from the floor for days, but uh, you know my squatting mechanics are uh, they're my they're my constant struggle. So you know, as well, I always you know, as always 
ever since I started CrossFit, it's, it's been the same way. And uh, you know, I, I still work on it. Still, I still enjoy workouts with squatting and, and different things, but um, but it's definitely not my favorite movement, though. <laughs> Which is ironic because it's probably the most uh, important and relevant uh, movement in CrossFit. <laughs> It's really it's certainly up there, isn't it? Top three. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I you know, actually to put it, I think it's probably hands down the most important movement to be good at is squatting and crossfit. You know, so if you're not great at squatting, it's a tough start. And here's another reason why you're the coach and not the yeah. athlete. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, last time I spoke to you, uh, we had just um, we were talking about Dave Castro being fired, and now since then. How has communication been with the the guys at HQ? So I think this is a really interesting point that actually after Castro was fired, they had what a loser. Justin Berg came out with the Hopper, very informative, did a podcast, very informative. What was the Hopper? It's like the CrossFit newsletter, basically. And they kind of inferred that they were going to keep all the information within that centrally rather than giving out to external places like Morning Talker. But then since then, you know, there's been like huge news. I mean, one of the big things outside of CrossFit was Matt O'Keefe leaving Live and Loud to go and work solely for Hard Work Pays Off. And I think that has a lot of significance in the event space. And then also you have Eric Rosser, stepping down or however it occurred um, from the position of CEO to move to uh, the board. And, you know, once again, it's like significant changes within the organizational factor of the, of the company of the sport. And, And so there will be implications, you know, who has, who has the vision of, of where what goes where, you know? What what direction does the new CEO want the sport to be? What relevance does that hold? They place more focus on CrossFit health or more focus on the affiliates or so you know, all those kind of things come into to play. Hopefully they they leave the things alone for the whole of the season. Um and you know, they just let this play out as it should play out, just like you know, in classic open quarterfinals well it's not necessarily classic but the, the new established format weight mm. games and then in the off season can make the relevant changes there I, I think I think most people are just craving consistency yes and that's why people were so happy to have the open back in February March have some kind of semi-finals you know they've tried to build regionals again in the sense of they're bringing back their own programming to two of two of the workouts were programmed centrally by CrossFit. Whereas actually a lot of people were looking for the whole thing to be programmed by CrossFit. So they've reached a bit of a compromise. I, I, I still would push it further and further to being fully programmed by a central body. Mm. Um, but you know, it's, uh, I suppose, one step closer. Like those um those two workouts are going to be picked over and over and over, aren't they? By anybody who any statistician, any statistician, or sports pundit, because I lo- love comparing the numbers, and that's going to be like a benchmark for a lot of people. That was the best thing about regionals was that you know you knew what the workouts were, you knew what the good times were, everything was fairly standardised. You know, okay, be it that the length that someone had to run in 
in one place was different to the other, you know. So there were time discrepancies, but, you know, you more or less had a very good idea of, um, of what good times were across the hundreds of athletes doing it. Whereas now, you, you know, one place to snatch, one place to clean, one place to run, you know. So it becomes very hard to, to draw any logical objective conclusions based on uh, the region of competing. And it also adds the element of luck in programming a little bit more as well. You might go to a region where you're lucky, a region where you're not lucky. Um, and it also allows people, like the test then becomes, you truly have like, you can, you can program the open quarters, semis and games around each other. So there's a flow of programming. Whereas when you take out that semi stage, you take out a part of the flow where you may have tested heavy snatching and therefore you don't need it to test it as in the same way at the games. Uh, so mm. I think a lot of people have, I like they really want actually just to be program centric. And I, I really think it adds, it doesn't take anything away. Why, why are they allowing or why have they allowed all the different events to just program as they wished? Was it I, my, my position? A hands-off approach. It's like an event organizer wants some kind of uh, wants to display a little of what they, you know. My, my, this is a complete guess, and you know, I think that it's or the guess is that the event organizers would like some kind of uh, freedom in how they program, so they could showcase their venue or showcase whatever it may be. Going back to what you were saying about Matto Keith moving from Louds and Live to Hard Rock Pays Off, how does it how does it affect the event space? Why is it so significant? Um, so I think Matt kind of connected a lot of dots, connecting like um, a big events organisation and the athletes, and he was kind of the glue uh, between two, and it seemed seemed to work extremely well. They were obviously, you know. The majority of his time in the position was affected by COVID. So, you know, that, that was for an event organization, that was obviously super hard times to, to work in. But even in that time, they did manage to, to really want to push things forward and, and, and have some of the biggest events in the, in the space of CrossFit. So, you know, I think there's interesting questions. Do, you know, the kind of management side of things, for example, of the athlete, because there was a whole like live and loud athlete management now, but which is kind of under Matt O'Keefe. Is that still under Matt O'Keefe? So it's like, where do the, is the connection still there between the athlete side and the event organization side? Do they choose to go down a very different path? Is CrossFit something they want to focus on? You know, again, these are all unanswered questions that, um, have an impact on where the, the sport's going. You know, I, I think that external events like what a Palooza do force the games to be better and to up their level because they need to be competitive. And, and while I still think that there should be one organization crowning the fittest on earth, I do think that, you know, we need some kind of uh, competition in order to raise that level. Jimmy, do you know anything about where you will be going to Lowlands or to Strength and Depth? Have you got any feeling about where you're going? A huge thing. You know, so last year, the athletes just picked where they went, mm. which is just kind of crazy. 
you know, like, so you could pick if you went German or like, in the end, it didn't matter because they were both on the same weekend and both had exactly the same workouts. And it did matter a little bit because they should have probably just combined the scores um, because then you get a fair leaderboard. The trouble is, there's two troubles. One is that if you do lowlands, you have, in essence, three more weeks to prepare for the games, which is huge, you know, it's huge. So the athletes are competing, um, SID compared to competing at lowlands, are all of a sudden at this like kind of time disadvantage. But the other thing is as well, so most, most people would want to go from uh, lowlands for that time advantage, but then to just put all the best athletes at lowlands, which makes it crazy hard to get through to the games, or do you stack them to then go to SID? You know, how, how do you go about organizing this? And there's been zero communication. And this, for me, is one of the biggest, you know, it has a significant impact on who's going to the games. I think one of the things that the often thing that we kind of run into is that the games often care about crowning the fittest on earth. Mm-hmm. And so at this stage of semifinals, it's completely irrelevant. You know, they don't care um, who gets through. And so, you know, and this is a bit of a contention because going to the games for a large majority of the athletes is a game changer in their whole career. And I think that the relevance should be then put onto those competitions in order to make that fair. And one of the things is, you know, like how are people going to choose between the two competitions? And right now we have no clue. I mean, can an athlete just choose, I want to go to Lowlands or I want to go to Strength and Depth? And then how do you then evaluate objectively what makes a fair competition between all of those athletes? And so, so these things, you know, like one idea, for example, is saying like you just have athlete one. So whoever qualifies first, second, third, fourth, you put odd in one, even in the other. Um, and in essence, that's completely random because you're not going to be able to know scores and therefore predict if you're going to be first or second. You won't be able to, to have that level of, uh, you know, you couldn't kind of sandbag in order to make yourself second because then you might make yourself third. So I think mm-hmm. that would, you can't play that game. Yeah, you can't play that game. So I think that would maybe be it, the fairest way of doing it, just dividing odd even. Um, but yeah, but yeah. So so that's that's a big um, point that needs to be resolved. What's the other one? You said that uh, so the time difference between the two. Yeah. So so the three- and then. All- and and also, if you get don't get through the you don't qualify at Lowlands, you've also then got longer to prepare for the last chance qualifier as well. Haven't you? Yeah, this is another another good point. Yeah, the, the you know the turnaround from Lowlands to the last chance is a lot longer than from Sid to the last chance. Um, and these are you know these are factors. If you take the, the an athlete at the same physical level, obviously giving them three weeks more prep for specific competition especially like comparing from semis to games you know at games you might be riding bikes swimming whereas a semi is the chance of doing that are a lot lower you know i think i think all this comes down to communication like 
mm-hmm. communicate, communicate, communicate is really just what we we would like because you know I, I think that information should just be distributed through the central channel so they use the hopper but, you know each week just send an update you know like even if nothing's happened we'll just go like okay nothing happened this week <laughs> you know whatever it may be just to uh so, so everyone's kind of on that same page who's involved in the sport and the access isn't channeled through this like who you know or what you know way is the um the the athlete council or what do they call it the athlete camp committee do they have any um impact on getting things changed within the yes the people that are actually supposedly communicating interest they said they changed some things at what a loser um in helping the organization decide on different things but um in, in essence they're starting to push more and more. I know that they're contacting uh, athletes now, like our athletes have been contacted by them in order to join the association and, and make the changes. Maybe it's a move in the right direction. You know, I, again, if it's done in the right way, I think it can be very useful. And I think that's one of the key caveats. I, I, you know, I, I think it's called the Professional Fitness Athletes Association. Okay, the Professional Fitness Athletes Association. Yeah. I'd like to talk to you. So <laughs> be good to hear their point of view and um, what are they doing behind the scenes to try to help everybody to improve and professionalise the the communication is slack. I mean, I'm so I'm surprised at getting more and more, as I get more and more interested and more and more sort of backstage with the CrossFit Games. I'm, so, so, I'm shocked at how little information you get sent. Yeah, I think people feel like, you know, as people involved in sport, we know more. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah you know, mm. we know very little as well. I, you know, some kind of... I, 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 I don't know. I, it'd be interesting to see, like you say, if, if uh, the changes that they want to make, how they structure the organisation so it becomes fair. Like one thing that, that kind of bugs me is... Again, having objective criteria of how you select the athletes that are involved. And, you know, do you pick the athlete with most followers? Or do you have some kind of criteria like, you know, if you've qualified for the Games in the last two years, you'll be part of the committee? Now, how do, oh, I see. Yeah. So how do you put the criteria for who's an athlete? You know, does everyone who sign up become an athlete to the Open? Does everyone who qualifies for quarterfinals become an athlete, semifinals? But, you know, whatever they decide to do, I think that the criteria for being defined as an athlete within the organisation should be objective because then it makes it fair and transparent to everyone involved and be like, okay, this is like uh, once I qualify for the Games, I enter into being recognised as an athlete. No, mm. it shouldn't just be that you're a well-known athlete because you have a lot of followers and therefore you enter into, you know. So, so I think those kind of things are important to be defined. See if we can get the answers. So how are your guys getting on? How, how is um, Christoph? How is Gabby? How is Jack? So uh, this period is probably the most relevant for Christoph. Uh, Christoph's never made it uh, through the, the stage or through, through kind of the quarterfinal stage. It's never qualified for the regionals or semifinals. And therefore, this next period is, is very important for him. It'll be like a big achievement getting to, uh, to the semis. And 
know, he's put a lot of work in. He had one workout last year at quarters that cost him. It was the strict handstand push-ups. Um, we've put, oh, uh, it wasn't strict. It was uh, kind of a combination of the, the kid. But anyway, it was a handstand push-up workout. A Horvat, not able to do handstand push-ups. Yeah, you know, genetics uh, Genetics may may come into play um, in that uh, in that equation. But He's improved, so, has he? Yeah, so for Christoph, this is a very important period. <laughs> and, and wanting to do the best at uh, quarterfinals. Mm. Uh, for both Jack and Gabby, the the idea is to, you know, make it back to the games. And so we've maybe been focusing on things that we wouldn't necessarily just worry about at the quarterfinals um, and making sure that they will be in shape for whichever quarterfinal, uh, whichever final they have. I see on their, on all of their Instagrams, a lot of running. Yes, exactly, which is maybe more games relevant. Um, so, you know, we, we, we make some chances that, uh, that hopefully they can qualify back to the games. And if they get back to the games, they'll be in the shape that they, they want to be in there. So, yes, there's, there's a lot of running involved. And quite a lot of swimming. Yes, again, running, swimming, two factors that... That we were always okay at, but we were never great at. And so we're making a bit of a, a switch to become great swimmers, great runners. Mm. Um, I mean, you can't hurry the swimming training either, can you? That is quite a slow... Yeah, I mean, honestly, you can't. To, to, to make the improvements we want to improve, you can't hurry either of them. So with both the running and the swimming, we've introduced it a lot earlier uh, than we ever have done um, to make those those changes. And how is Solveig doing? Is she getting ready? Getting ready. She I mean, feel good? Solveig's in a bit of a different category because uh, she's a full-time student. She's studying uh, chiropractic in the UK. You know, mm. it's, uh, it's a degree that I also went through as an osteopath, and it's very demanding. Uh, so it, it becomes very hard. You know, it's like kind of like speaking with Julie, for example, who will be in the next week, like, you know. You want to be the best competitor when you're in the gym, then you also want to be the best doctor you can be. And it's just very hard to to manage that. Waterpalooza was very inspiring for both of them, though, I think. I mean, I was speaking to Julie in the interview that's coming up soon. She told me that um, she felt really quite um, inspired by the results that they've got and really was feeling pretty good about going into this season and quite excited about it. So, you know, I, I think, I, you know, I think both of them are hungry. They, they both have the potential. So, so they kind of fit in the category of both athletes who are extremely talented and, and have the potential, but then they also have a life. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so, you know, it, and that and it does play a factor. It's, it's a factor that needs to be recognized that, you know, again, you take two two athletes with the same amount of talents. You make one of them work full time, and one of them just train full time. You know, it doesn't need much further conclusion to realise who's going to be able to progress to the next level. Um, and, and I also think it's important to realize, like, acknowledge that that you know, despite working full time, they're making huge improvements in in the level. Would they make more improvements not working? I would say yes. It must be very frustrating. 
but also I mean that as long as they as long as they are understanding that situation yeah, right. but it's, it must be hard when you're dreaming and you're suddenly getting all the fire in you and then you have to remember oh yeah I've got an essay to have got you know like Lucas I think is a perfect example of that um Lucas is is an athlete who's super talented throughout his career but refused to ever fully go all in um and would he have got further going all in I, I would guess yes um, you know, possibly breaking top 10, possibly breaking top five. You know, he had that potential. He was young, strong, very, yeah. very, very good athlete. Um, but, you know, he was always stressed about school, stressed about work. And compare that to an athlete who doesn't have those stresses, it's just a big advantage. Mm. So when uh, when Jack and Gabby aren't training at the moment, they're just they're just napping what are they doing they're resting yeah, well in essence so uh jacqueline uh, jacqueline still has um work but i've been working to reduce her work <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that was one of the changes we wanted to make because it's stressful you know like coming home after training the workload was maybe not you know, it's not as high as a full-time job but it was still maybe 20 hours a week or 15, two hours a day, you know, which which doesn't seem a lot. But when you're all in training, it, it then becomes a lot. Like two hours of dedicated work a day is um, uh, can be tough mentally, um, can be tough on those things. So we, we've worked a little to try and reduce that workload and, uh, and give her more chance to recover and rest. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what goes on from the 24th onwards. I'm sure... Um... Cross my fingers for no squats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave those alone. Let's not embarrass myself. Mm. And uh, no handstand push-ups for Christoph. Yeah. Well, I think I we're kind of going handstand push-ups in the open, so we can uh, avoid the big quarters. Is the <laughs> would be. Oh, that would be a better place. Yeah, that would be a good, mm. uh, good way around. Okay. Well, is anything else to tell me? Or are we done now? No, no, I think we are um, our Valentine's Day start to the our date. date. Um, we will, no, I think we'll go, it, obviously, as the season moves now, it uh, relevant, you know, everything becomes a bit more exciting. We'll see new names, new faces, what's happening, scores. So I, I think it, you know, it kind of becomes the, uh, the exciting time in the CrossFit calendar. Anybody that we should be looking for on the leaderboard from the from your point of view? Anyone you can predict? Yeah, I think that it would be interesting to see. You know, I, I don't think we worried. We don't worry too much about the open for, for the no. So I think the open can be a great opportunity for some athletes to come out and make a bit of a name. Um, courses as well. Uh, then, then I think the real, you know, it really, this is the thing. Why getting to the games is so relevant because that games ticket, it puts you in the limelight to like to talk about, say, what's happening. Uh, and so I think it's like, well, it's interesting. The open of what's what's doable, you know, just here win, just you know, just doing it one and done. Just about the hell you know, of it, you know, yeah. <laughs> rolling up tied to a sled <laughs> yeah, rolling out of bed and just winning an open you know is, is it just so easy for her or is someone else gonna move in typically people who've won the open have not necessarily done super well at the end of the season so hmm. okay well thanks very much john looking forward to uh 
chat. I guess we'll try to catch up maybe mid-open and see how we're getting on. Yeah, that'll be, um, that'll be good. We can even do like open recaps maybe. That'd be fun. Yeah, or even, maybe we could talk about, when we know the first workout, we could do a quick uh, strategy chat. Yeah, exactly. We're going to be putting stuff up as well. So. Oh, there'll be loads on YouTube, won't there? Yeah, there'll be all on YouTube. I think the recap could be interesting, just kind of like a, a leaderboard reflection and, and how things went down. Thanks, John. Best of luck to everybody in the open. If you have the time, please leave us a five-star review, share and subscribe to the podcast. It all helps a lot for us to spread the word. Until next time, thanks for listening and bye-bye. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod.